You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stork Show. Let's go. All right, all right. I am live with my man, Dom Brightman, host of the Going North podcast, as well as the author of the best-selling books, Going North, Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself, Stay the Course, The Elite Performer's Seven Secrets to Sustainable Success, and contributing author for Crappy to Happy, Sacred Stories of Transformational Joy. Dom, excited to have you here, get a chance to interview you. Uh, We are live, I think we are live on Facebook and LinkedIn, as well as uh, recording this interview for the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. So welcome, buddy. Good to see you. Hey, it's good to see you too, Andy. Get to see the fighter in action, baby. The amazing Andy. Yeah. Ready to go, man. Ready to go. Uh, we got introduced through some mutual friends, had a chance to uh, be interviewed on your podcast, had a great discussion, and uh, looking forward to getting you on here. I love that you are bringing the energy, ready to go. Uh, so Dom, you know, I love talking to people about their careers. I'm sure you've had some ups and downs and and different things that have taken you to where you are today. So tell me a little bit about your career. How did you get to where you are now? Ah, uh, yeah. Funny enough, looking back, it's kind of interesting how fast time can fly because my career actually started off as a summer youth intern at a local library, local public library. Because my mom was like, hey, you got to get yourself a job here, buddy. Like, let's get you some edge on some of the other kids that ain't got no jobs yet. So funny enough, a position opened up the local library, was able to be a paid intern. I didn't even know they offered paid internships there and worked there for three months. I didn't do anything stupid and they liked my work ethic. So they brought me back when I turned 16, September that year. Kept the job through high school, college. Then they promoted me full time after getting an IT degree and then... As, funny enough, after getting the IT degree is when I found personal professional development at a higher level, because I'm pretty sure you probably remember where back in school and heck, even college, they gave you books that you don't want to read and make you hate reading and rediscover my love for reading. That led me to this whole new world. It was like a brave new world. It's like it's like Disney, except there was no Simba, no Lion King, no frozen Olaf's and penguins like there was it was just personal growth, new levels of happiness, and just higher levels of learning and getting things done that I never thought would be possible in this lifetime that actually became possible and manifested. So that's a kind of like a short version of how I got to where I am now. Yes, sir. And right now, you know, you're a John Waxwell certified coach. You, uh, you've written a couple of books. You host this podcast. So uh, you know, you mentioned getting through the internship and getting the IT degree and getting into the professional world and getting into personal and professional development, which I appreciate. You got into it a lot earlier than I did. I didn't discover that stuff until uh, a little bit later, probably my mid-30s, about five years ago. Um, but it's one thing to go get into personal development and, and just be start to consume this stuff. But you've been actually producing a lot of content and written a couple books, which is a big accomplishment, I know, from having published my first book uh, just a few months ago. So, um, you know, how did you end up getting into, you know, start writing books? What inspired you to do that? Ah, uh, yes. This is why it's always great to be around those with a positive influence because 
through my discovery of personal development, found this organization called Toastmasters International. And I'm sure a few of your listeners may have heard about this organization. It has been around for 90 plus years and helps people to become better leaders and better speakers. And thanks to the pandemic, we do virtual meetings now, so we're still keeping the growth going. It's always good to keep the growth going because if you don't grow, you die, basically. And there's this one speech in particular I heard from a young guy. He was about a couple years older than me, Daniel Alley. He had this wonderful speech called You Are the Boss, and he was selling these books after his speech, and he gave a speech how to act like a leader. And I was like, okay, all right. I bought his book to support him, and I'm like, okay, fellow millennial, let me support the guy in a room full of other folks who are in their mid-30s plus, some on the extra season side of the game, maybe a little extra pepper than the other folks, <laughs> a little extra salt pepper than the other folks. And I read the book, and I realized, wait a second, he's writing about the same stuff I'm reading. And that was just the one seed that eventually germinated over time because I kept giving presentations after joining that club and heck even documenting my process. As I was actually writing my speeches earlier back then, that eventually became content for book number one. And I realized, wait a second, I'm kind of repurposing stuff here and just really creating multiple pieces of content because those speeches that I gave at those clubs eventually became chapters for books. And one, I forgot, I think it, I forgot who it was, but he mentioned how when you're writing a book, your chapter titles should also be workshop or keynote titles. And I'm like, wow, that makes so much sense. So it's kind of back and forth here. And I'm like, okay. So I saw the young guy give the wonderful presentation, selling the books, kept on taking action, giving speeches to basically solidify what I've been reading and what I've been learning. And then that content was repurposed later for the books down the road and using that content again to really just get on podcasts and eventually create one of my own. Because one thing about the wonderful organization of Toastmasters, you're around a bunch of other growth minded individuals. Now, granted, the levels will vary when it comes to the dedication and the commitment level. But if you stay around long enough and you take advantage, if you show up and you contribute, it'll definitely pour back into your life. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. I've heard so many great things and people that have uh, accomplished so much that all started with going through Co Toastmasters um, to build that confidence. And uh, I want to speak about that for a second because there are a lot of people out there watching, listening, um, thinking about how to grow their careers. And one of the things, and maybe one of the biggest things that people have fear around is public speaking right? Getting up in front of others, talking to others, just thinking about the idea of being on a live video like you and I are on right now. I know at, some of my friends are absolutely terrified of that <laughs> aspect. And yet many people know that even if they have no dreams of being uh, an influencer or a content creator or a podcaster like you and I, they just want to move up and be a vice president or an executive in their company one day, they know they're going to have to give some presentations, right? And, and get pretty good at public speaking. So how do you get past that fear and build the confidence so that you you can get up, you know, maybe you're not hosting a podcast, but standing up in front of a room of 10 of your colleagues and giving that presentation. I know some people are just terrified of just that. Yeah. So a few things. Well, one thing is to always raise the bar on yourself in life general, especially with your career, always raise the bar on yourself because even though I've been gifted with this voice, that's a genetic gift. Everything else afterwards, I had to work on and improve on, like incorporating humor, being able to be a good storyteller, being able to organize the presentation. And heck, even the confidence to speak, like 
tailing it back to your question, like that's definitely the main piece. And that's something similar to self-motivation. It's like something you have to do daily, kind of like bathing, as the late great Zig Ziglar would say. He's like, you got to motivate yourself daily, just like taking a bath. And to get over that is to seek to raise the bar on yourself and give yourself that edge over everyone else, especially when you're rising up the ranks in your career and you're eventually supervising and managing and leading other people because those who are leaders, those are folks who usually speak. You don't have to say a bunch of words, but you have to make sure your words count. So making sure that you see yourself as a person who is valuable, giving value to others, true, genuine value, and then getting yourself in the right mindset to realize, okay, do I want to be scared of public speaking my whole life or do I want to help more people? See it as coming from a place of help and assistance that you're basically helping others to basically become better. Because funny enough, that's one of the ways to find your own voice because like the guy, Daniel Alley, if he wasn't speaking that night, I may not have been able to see that example of someone who was young and actually moving and creating his own business, having his own books and things like that to actually have the courage to do it myself. So see it as you helping someone else find their own voice and then see it as a way to better yourself. Because when you conquer fear at one level, you'll be able to conquer bigger fears at a higher level. Isn't that so powerful? You think about that idea of just impacting one person. And if you're not willing to get up and speak and share what you have to say, then you know you let fear get the best of you. You're being selfish, right? You're holding that back. If that man had not had the courage to get up, get up and give that talk that day, then your life might be completely different. You might not be doing the things that you're doing now. He inspired you, and it it only takes one person, right? You know, we do this interview today, and maybe only one person listens to it or really pays attention. But that person hears it and goes, oh, I'm going to go start a podcast or I'm going to go build my brand or I'm going to go join Toastmasters. And it could completely change their career and their trajectory. I love that. Um, the other thing that you're, you're kind of speaking about there that I think is really important for people to know is that you got to take that first step, right? Whether it's Toastmasters or that first talk, small talk at your company, whatever it may be, you got to kind of break the seal. And then from there, as you do it more, you practice, you build confidence you build experience, which builds confidence. Uh, and that fear starts to fade away a little bit. And eventually, you know, the first time I did a live video, I was probably, I can hardly remember now. It's been a couple of few years, but I was scared. Right. And now whatever, go live. I don't even think about it because I've done it so many times. It doesn't bother me at all. And I know you're the same with your podcast books and, and that sort of stuff. And I love all the, the stuff you've been putting out there. When you think about your career so far, um, maybe this was it when you went to that Toastmasters meeting, but I was going to ask you, you know, what was one of the biggest breakthrough moments that you had that it was like, this made a huge difference for me in my career. Uh, and you know, I'm glad that this happened, but it may have been by chance. It may have been, you know, something else that was kind of a lucky break. Yeah. One of the biggest breakthroughs there was, there were a couple because I eventually took on that same guy as a coach, the follow yeah, it was the following year. Yeah, it was the following year. And through more of my reading, I found this wonderful activity in one of probably one of the best books ever in self-help is The Magic of Getting What You Want by David Schwartz. And if you ever read The Magic of Thinking Big, then this is one of his other books. So same guy, this wonderful book. And 
in the book, you mentioned the activity of writing your own obituary. And in that obituary, I wrote that I was going to be a best-selling author of multiple books. So I went ahead and said, okay, cool. This is the early stage of the personal development world. I'm going to go ahead and take this activity because that's where the real action happens is when you do action from the stuff you read, not just using self-help for entertainment. Because that's where folks seem to struggle in life is if they read these great books, they come across this great content, but they don't do anything with it. Like even if you do one thing from a 220-page book, then the book will be worth it. So I figured, let me make sure this book is worth it. And a few months down the road, I was at a Toastmasters conference. And this reminds me of that wonderful Mark Victor Hansen quote, where he goes and mentions that leaders are born at conferences. Because as I was networking other people, instead of business cards, I was handing out reading lists to people. And I called it the one of the books for dynamic living. And one of the ladies I handed the list to, she looked at the list. She looked right back at me, looked at the list, looked right back at me and asked me where my name was on this list. And I was probably a good 23 at the time. And I'm like, I, I ain't got no book. I'm 20 freaking three. What the heck am I going to write about? And she even dared me. It's like, hey, you know what? Why don't you write a book of your own a year from today? Come back next year for the next Toastmasters conference. Have your book done. And I was like, nah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Okay, well, let's do it even better. How about we both take on the challenge and we both have our books published in a year. And I was like, mm, nah, nah, I'm good. You're, you seem kind of intense. I'm going to move on to the next person now. And funny enough, a couple of days later, after some soul searching and talking with a couple of buddies, I decided, you know what? We didn't shake on it, but what the heck? I'm going to write this book in a year. And that eventually happened because someone dared me to really take that step to really go forward. And that really just goes to really own your career and owning your life is that ownership ownership happens when you're accountable and a higher level accountability happens when you enlist others to be your accountability buddies. And sometimes they may just be complete strangers. Like me and that wonderful lady, we didn't really connect that much. Like we were just random, just colleagues to re really, to be honest, never really close friends or anything. And right. just from that one person, like challenging me, daring me to soar for more, to raise the bar myself, that was a breakthrough moment. So sometimes we just need that person to give us that extra step. And that was even after the obituary activity where I even denied <laughs> the first opportunity to, which makes the story even funnier. Yeah, but it's it's so powerful. We we need those people in our lives. That's why it's so important to hire coaches and surround ourselves with ambitious people who are willing to challenge us, support us, push us. Uh, and sometimes it's just that one person and it's funny, my, uh, you know, I published my first book, my uh, book coach and mentor uh, is a woman named Honoré Cordor, and she wrote her first book many years ago, I think because she met Mark Victor Hansen at a conference, and she was a speaker, but she didn't have a book, and he said, where's your book? You need to write a book, and so she went and wrote a book, and now she's published over 50 books, um, but it all started with that first one, and his comment to her, and uh, I have many of those as well, in fact, the idea of my book came because I had a conversation with my friend Philip Van Dusen at a conference and I was like, oh my gosh, that's my book. And that's, that's where it came from. And we, so we got to expose ourselves. We got to be having those conversations with people. Um, what's been your, your biggest mistake or challenge in your career so far? And how did you get past that? Uh, thinking too small. That was probably the biggest mistake. And mm. heck, that's something that I sometimes even deal with from time to time myself is that thinking, too small because sometimes you may feel like we are not enough when truth be told you are enough learn as you go grow as you go because one of the 
because originally at one point I thought I was going to be in library management because that was only that, that was the path that was ahead of me. It's like, oh, yeah, I think I'll be a supervisor. I saw this other guy do it. He's like a few years older than me, too. It's like, yeah, millennial manager could happen. If he could do it, shoot, I could do it. I've been there a few years. Uh, I know stuff. I know how it works. And then after a few years passed to realize, you know what, maybe I should actually focus more on creating something and doing something bigger. And that's kind of where the books came in. And that's where really the certifications came in afterwards, because I realized, wait a second, like, why be a manager of a library when I could have my own personal library, maybe even one day have a physical library of my own. And that's really one of the biggest things that I basically have to deal with and that some of us have to deal with ourselves that sometimes you may have to think for yourself, do some really deep self-awareness and some deep thinking, some deep thoughts and meditation to realize, okay, is this something I really want to do? Do I just want to pay the bills, even though that's like the main thing I feel like that's in front of me or don't want to look through the bills and realize, wait, there's something bigger out there for me. And that's really what happened is just really just taking those steps. So the coach really helped me to really think bigger and to really focus on doing things outside of the day job and really build it up to where to where I'm eventually going to be making that leap forward into the full-time entrepreneurship. Because that's one of the biggest things that hold us back is just that small thinking that and that can even come from our environment just from a deeper level, like yeah. wherever you were raised and wherever you decide to be now. So that's really one of the biggest things that's held me back. Yeah, you know what? That's that's been a problem for me as well, especially when I first started out in podcasting. I uh, was thinking too small, or or that imposter syndrome of thinking, well, nobody's gonna really gonna pay mm -hmm. attention or care yep. what I have to say. I'm gonna interview some other people, um, and but I'm not creating the things that could help me uh, expand and be profitable in my business because I just don't think that people are gonna care or or invest or whatever. And and I was wrong, right? And uh, so I've had to learn that lesson as well. Um, you mentioned this, doing this as a side, kind of a side hustle, side hobby, along with a full-time job. A lot of people uh, that listen and, and follow me are in full-time jobs, but uh, dream of maybe doing things on their own and are, are working on maybe that side hustle or thinking about starting it. How do, how do you manage your time around that to make sure that you're meeting obligations with a full-time job, but you're also building things and following your dreams uh, on the side so that one day you can you can really fully pursue your dreams. Uh, yes. And this popped in my head instantly as soon as you started that question is to set your own business hours for mm. before and after work. Like with my podcast going north, I set the hours. They're basically consistent all across the board for the same hours after work or before work, because sometimes with my schedule and the way that the day job is set up, I may have some weekends off, some weekends on, some evening shifts, some day shifts. So that's how it helps me to have a bigger reach. So set your own business hours, stick to it. And if you can, use the time that you have available. Like if you are full-time and you have benefits like vacation time and you're one of those hard workers, like see, see it as okay to really use that time to your advantage if you have it and then take advantage of that time because they're, they're called benefits for a reason if you have them and if you don't have them just still set those business hours and stick to them and you can always adjust when necessary because even though with my podcast itself i'd say 95 to 98 percent of them usually choose a date sometimes i have to negotiate with folks and be like hey like all right i see you you can't really just 
like we can't be at the same schedule. There may be a time difference. Like you may be in California when I'm in Maryland, or they may be in Australia when I'm in Maryland, they're like 12, 16 hours away. So there may be times like that, but setting your own business hours, sticking to them and making sure that you let other people know that need to know about it. So that way they don't disturb you during that time. And heck, even putting your phone on do not disturb mode as just a warning to let folks like, Hey, these are the hours I'm here. If, if nothing stupid is happening, if the house ain't burning down, like don't bother me during these hours and focus on the work during that time. Yeah, that's so important. I think for people to figure out what are the hours when you're going to work uh, on certain things, set those boundaries and be willing to stick to that and then figure out what is potentially negotiable. Where are you willing to maybe make some concessions if you're you know, normally I try to do stuff between nine and five, but I know when I interviewed, uh, you interviewed me on your podcast, you tend to do those a little bit later in the day. I've had guests and been a guest on a podcast with uh, friends in Australia, uh, which means I'm doing it sometimes at, you know, six, 7 a.m. or they are, right? In order to accommodate <laughs> the fact that we are, like you said, 14 hours difference um, between here on the East Coast and, and Sydney, Australia, or Brisbane or that kind of thing. So sometimes you got to make those concessions. Um, I want to pivot to some of the things you talk about in your book, Going North. And one of them, I love this because you and I have this in common. Um, you know, I've just been getting to know you, Dom, but I'm guessing most people who know you are constantly impressed, blown away with your everlasting positive attitude. You've always got a smile, you've always <laughs> got a positive attitude, you're laughing, you're joking around, you're having a good time no matter what's going on. Um, I try to bring the same energy everywhere I go. Um, not everybody is necessarily that way. So um, how how do we develop and maintain a positive attitude that you take with you everywhere you go? Uh, yes, this is the one of my favorite questions ever because it leads to one of my favorite like acronyms ever thanks to being on some wonderful coffee in a Starbucks pre-COVID. And it's the acronym known as RAVE, R-A-V-E. And eventually I'm going to have to have some lights show up or something in the background whenever I drop this. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right, raving baby. That's right. Ooh, ooh, yeah. And the R in RAVE, that stands for reading, reading great materials. So own your career, own your life. Read that book five times over. A, audio immersion. Listen to both of Andy Pod, Storch's podcasts like five times, or especially that talent development hot seat podcast. The intro is fire. That smooth jazz is freaking sick. And the V, visual stimulation. YouTube is probably one of the greatest things on the planet right now because it's so much free content you can devour on there. So making sure that your eyes get to be in front of images that will benefit you. And E stands for encouragement and environment. And I... It used to be just encouragement, but I added environment recently because your environment really determines what you're going to be producing and putting out there into the world. Like the guy who was in was like Daniel Alley when he was in his early 20s promoting his book that eventually led to me being a guy in his early 20s with a book like all these other folks just being around people that will positively influence you and being that positive influence back to people. That is definitely one of the greatest things. So encouragement. And environment, making sure that if someone's living and breathing, they need encouragement. No matter how high on a metaphorical totem pole someone may be, no matter how big of a celebrity they are, we all need encouragement. Trust me, we all need it. Like Grant Cardone, like he, <laughs> biggest, probably one of the biggest loudmouths ever in a good way. Love the guy. And 
he sometimes shows his real self where he just doesn't feel like it. Sometimes he says he's like he feels like he gets up in the morning and be like, ah, oh, dang, not again. I got to get up again. And he's Mr. 10X, dude. And he's honest. And that just shows like he, too, goes through tough days. We all have rough days and we need to encourage both ourselves and each other. Amen, brother. I like those. The rave acronym reading, audio immersion, visual stimulation, encouragement and environment. And, you know, I didn't know I was necessarily doing that. But when I got into personal development, I started reading books every day, every morning that would help me with my business and my career. I'm always listening to podcasts when I'm out walking uh, and learning something. And they're usually with some type of positive encouragement, um, the visual stimulation. Rich, you mentioned YouTube. I don't go to YouTube that much, but I know a lot of people do. And it's easy to get sucked into cat videos and <laughs> whatever is out there. My daughter loves watching all these YouTube videos of these people just like messing around. Uh, but there are so many great resources on there, personal development type stuff. Um, I go to YouTube now for some different meditations, things like that. There's a million free resources. And then encouragement environment. We need that encouragement. And your environment, the people and things that you surround yourself with, so important. So think about that if you're someone who's trying to improve your attitude, improve your life. Think about the types of content you're consuming, the people you surround yourself with, the the environment that you're in. Um, do you watch the news on a regular basis? You know, cable news, turn it off. It's mostly negative stuff. It's not going to help you in any way. It's good to know what's going on in the world. I do a quick like, you know, scan of the headlines on a daily basis, if, if not a weekly basis. Um, but you won't ever catch me watching cable news. I'd rather be watching you know, these uplifting, uplifting videos on YouTube, watching interviews like this with awesome people like Dom, uh, you know, things that are going to help me learn and be encouraged and inspired and, and improve my life. So very, very important. Um, one of the things you also talk about in your book is how to become a better thinker. And I would imagine it's related to some of the stuff we talked about. So um, maybe you can expound on that. How, how do we become better thinkers? Ah, yes. Becoming better thinkers. Heck, I, I might need to think of an acronym for time. Well, acronym for thinker. And one of them is time. Just setting the time aside to really just ask yourself powerful questions. The two classic questions that Ben Franklin asked himself every day is one, what good will I do today? And then at the end of the day, what good did I do today? So if you asked yourself what good you were going to do today, you did that thing, you'll have the answer to question number two. And then to add on to that, there's also what must I do? So that project you've been procrastinating on, are you going to make progress towards that? Is there a certain call you have to make? Some people you have to reconnect. And heck, even also, what did I learn today? And that can even go to a different level of just journaling something. You can have different journals. You can have a gratitude journal, which is always popular. You can also have a victory log journal. And that's something that last December, Sam Leibowitz, actually dropped on my podcast. And ever since then, I was like, wow, like it. And that will create a journal of proof of your past wins. Like if you woke up today, that's a victory because someone else didn't make it today. You're still alive and breathing. That's a victory. You have your job. You're still employed. That's a victory. You're able to get Andy Storch on your show. That's a freaking win. You started a podcast. That's a freaking win. Like, heck, even completing a chapter of a book that's when you just keep racking up those small things like just use those small things that eventually compound over time like compound interest into bigger things and then when you're feeling down on certain days you can go back in certain times heck even taking screenshots of certain positive social media comments and referring back to those 
as well and just stuff like that so being a better thinker involves asking yourself the correct questions because questions require thought and a response and when you basically ask yourself questions you wait for the response and if you journal that response you'll basically have it hardwired into your brain because our brain is for two major functions pre-play which where that visualization comes in thinking of a better future what good you're going to do today and then replay kind of like the gratitude journal the victory journal where you're replaying past victories i'm over here taking notes uh we use our brain for <laughs> yeah. pre-play and replay i hadn't heard that before that's great um I, I love that and you know you you said becoming a, a better thinker really comes down to asking ourselves great questions and uh, we need to be reflecting on things like gratitude and what we're contributing in the world on a daily basis. And I'm a big fan of using a journal for all that stuff. Uh, for many years, I used this journal, the Freedom Journal by John Lee Dumas, uh, which has a daily prompt for gratitude, a morning uh, section on what you're going to accomplish during the day, and then an evening wind down section of what did you accomplish, what went right, what went wrong, um, and planning your day for tomorrow. That's so helpful for me. I still keep a gratitude journal. Um, which has been really, really, really helpful for me, especially as I've been going through uh, my cancer journey and treatment over the last few months uh, to remain grateful for my life and my family and everything that's going on. Because like you said, um, uh, we both woke up alive today and that's not true for everybody. Uh, and that is a blessing. That is something that we can absolutely be grateful for. And I think the more we focus on gratitude, it's gonna go back and contribute towards that positive mindset that kind of happy outlook that uh, you and I tend to have a lot of the time. Um, speaking of time, uh, you also write about how the power of time and why time is more valuable than money. Uh, I think a lot of people might know that intuitively, uh, but still they're spending all their time thinking about money. Why is time more important or valuable than money? Uh, yes, time is more important and more valuable than money because money can always make more of it, even if it doesn't seem like it. If you haven't worked that mental muscle, the abundance mentality yet, it can be it can seem really hard. But time is definitely more important because time you can't get back. You can't go back in time and be like, hey, I'm 25 again. Like car shorts is extra cheap. Now I'm no longer like in the teenage years, but I can still go. I feel like I go like maybe five rounds with Mike Tyson in 40 years while I'm still 20. Like it, it, it's just that mindset of knowing that time is more important than money because we all have the same amount of time in the week, 168 hours in the week, like 24 seven. I wish it could be 25, eight sometimes, depending on the situation, but it's just not going to happen. Time, you never get back, but money can always get more of it. It may not come as fast as when you want it, depending on your situation. You may not have the abundance vitality yet, but time is more important than money because one of the major things is that I, I heard a preacher give this in a sermon one time where he mentioned how sometimes your miracle goes right past you. And it's coming towards you, but sometimes you miss it because we're so busy doing other things. It's like we're metaphorically inside of a church with stained glass windows, seeing a lot of things that are closed. But outside of the stained glass is where the magic happens. But we don't let ourselves really dive into what we can gain from just realizing that, hey, I have this time here. Kind of like with the earlier advice of just setting those business hours, just making sure you do the extra work, dedicate extra time and energy and 
to making sure that during those business hours, you said if you have a full-time job and doing this as a side hustle, like making sure you get the most out of it and like seeing if you can automate a few things like a scheduling link. That's another reason why I said business hours, because that is really where the focus is, because time is something you don't get back, but money can always get that back. So true. I've thought about that and, and talked about that on my podcast in the past. Um, it, it is a hard one to get past if you've struggled a lot with money in your life. And I've had plenty of those times. And I still uh, don't feel like my financial situation is where I want it to be. I don't know if it's ever where you really want it to be, right? But I've <laughs> but, right. But the but the more you get into this stuff and you try different things and you read and listen to others, you realize that there's an unlimited amount of money out there. And I think I learned this from actually reading the 10x rule by Grant Cardone that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to as I was working on developing my abundant mindset, there is an unlimited amount of money out there, just like there's an unlimited amount of success. No one can take any of that away from you. You can always go and find more. You can always go make more money. Even if you try something and lose all your money, you can always do something to make more, get a different job, start a business, sell some things in your house, whatever it may be. But you cannot get your time back. Once you've spent that time, it's gone. Um, you can take care of your health and hopefully get more time in the future, yeah. right? But you can't get your time back. Uh, so that's why it is absolutely critical uh, and so important. Um, you talked about earlier already about the need for constant encouragement. I was going to ask you about that, um, but it is something that we absolutely need. Um, what are the resources you go to or you see people going to to make sure they're getting the encouragement they need? Because I know people don't really think about this. Yeah. So making sure that your social media feed is full of stuff that you want to see. That's the main thing. Like folks may be like, I don't go on Facebook. It's toxic. It's political. I don't go on this place like Twitter. It's evil. Like there's actually a happy place to Twitter. If you're a fiction author, funny enough, one of my past guests last year, she mentioned that hashtag writing communities and writers lift the two hashtags where some authors hit like really just lift each other up and try to follow each other just to build each other up and uh, procrastinate on publishing their books but that's a whole other situation <laughs> and just making sure you curate your feed and curate your environment and that's another reason why i added an extra e in the rave acronym for environment because for the most part we can control what environment we're in there may be some times where there may be some outside influences that will have effect on it may be something bigger out there of course there's something bigger out there than all of us that may have bigger control than us but within your little square your little slice of the pie whether it's raspberry apple lemon meringue or sweet potato pie you can at least make sure you control your slice of the pie and making sure that you keep yourself in places where the encouragement is going to happen and making sure you reach out to people heck even funny enough there's this networking call i jump on every now and then called the serving circle by a guy named tyson sharp out in australia and I think it's Tuesday evenings, my time and like Wednesday morning for him. So that time difference again, where folks just focus on serving instead of just selling. And you just get into that space where we do all do a quick breathing exercise. Like, okay, how can I help this person? And then we just get in breakout rooms. And then occasionally this new thing I've been doing is dropping love bombs on people where Tyson's like, okay, so we've been doing this for a couple of weeks. We got, Dan last week and this guy this week. Let's see. So who's up for a love bomb? They just pick a random person on Facebook, type in I love you in the message box all at the same time and just send it to a one random person. And that That's just comes awesome. from putting yourself out there in the right places and making sure that you curate your feed because social media is actually good. There's 
there's toxicness on there, but there's positivity too. That's what I do too. If I see a political post, I keep scrolling because to be honest, I don't care what your political views are. That's not what I'm here for. Okay. I'm either, I'm here to be informed or to be entertained. One of the two, yeah. or heck even promote my business. One of the three things. Yeah. And if someone's political, that's their problem. Not mine. I, I tell people that all the time. And I, and I hear that all the time. What you said, like, Oh, I don't go on Facebook or I'm trying to get off of social media. Cause it's so negative. It's so toxic. And that's not the case. There are lots of people on there who are negative and toxic. There are lots of conversations and posts that are negative and toxic. But if you don't pay attention to them, if you scroll on past or even hide them, the algorithm absolutely works. It learns what you like and what you don't like. And people may be surprised to hear, even though I have a huge network, I saw very little uh, negative stuff or political.